0: Join me as I share my experience and the experiences of others so that we may see the unique gifts and talents of individuals on the autism spectrum fully recognized. everyone, and welcome. This is Elia with the Spectrum Strategy Group, and I welcome you to today's episode. Today, I have Dr. Ali Arena with me, and uh, we are chatting today around relationship and different tools and strategies and ways to build um, friendship and also romantic relationships. So welcome, Allie. You are one of my Instagram friends. (laughs) Many people know I I troll through Instagram and LinkedIn, and I've been finding some really amazing people, and you are one of them. So welcome. Um, I really would love if you could just give a little bit of background so that people can know who you are, what you do. And then of course, as we move through, we'll let them know where we can, where they can find more information uh, on you. But, um, but hi and welcome.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. I love that you're joking about Instagram friends. I know Instagram's such a, it's a wonderful tool, but then it's also weird. I'm still navigating it too. <laughs> um, but I'm Allie Arena and I am both a speech language pathologist and a board certified behavior analyst. Um, and I've worked with individuals on the spectrum for over 10 years at this point. And about five years ago, I went back and got my doctorate. And I specifically looked at the intricacies of being on the spectrum and dating and what that's like. And during that, um, the doctorate program I was in was very like socially just-rooted. So you had to bring in a modality like that. So during that, I journaled about sort of like what I thought people on the spectrum would want. And it was very, not very different, but it was definitely different. And since then, I really shifted from kind of getting out of my own head of being like, oh, communication must be the biggest thing (laughs) because that's not really what came up. And now um, I'm in the process of trying to collaborate with the actual autistic community because I think there could be a really nice you know, uh, overflow there. It's like, I study these specific skills, but you are living it. Does this even resonate with you? I've been doing a lot of that. Yeah. Right.
0: No, that's great. And so interesting. You say what you originally, um, things have changed from your original thought. So what, what, Share with us what your original thought was. I know you said communication. Of course, that's a ground ground ball because I think all communication for all of us, I mean, all, yeah, communication for all of us, let's restate that, is really important in relationship in general. I think that makes sense. And so that would be an obvious thing that you'd say, oh, that might be there might be some challenge there. But what was like your original thinking with that?
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, I naively was thinking, I basically had a therapist brain on, right? So I was like, oh, perspective taking is difficult. So that's something that's going to come up or sarcasm is difficult. So that's something that's going to come up. But actually what came up is whatever, you know, I struggle with this in my relationship, Mm -hmm. boundaries, really communicating what you want and need, like, respecting what you need, like all of that in a relationship, those were the type of things that um, were of difficulty. And then what I would have expected a lot of the people I interviewed wanted like a playbook or a rule book or a very specific, you know, timeline. Um, And, you know, we can give a little bit of that, but it is hard, as we know, relationships grow and shift. And even the dating process now at pandemic is so different than it was two years ago. So it's hard to give you know, like hard and fast rules all the time,
0: right? Yeah, no, definitely. And um, I'm I'm curious, and I, I we will get to that. You brought up something interesting about the pandemic and and relationships and friendships. You know, all sorts of connecting with people. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you been? I mean, from your experience with people you're working with, what have you found has been some of the more challenging pieces? Because, I mean, I think we could probably guess because there might be challenges again for all of us, but but particular, right? Like, I think there could be some subtle nuance here, which is different.
1: Well, so what's interesting is a lot of my middle school, teenagers, high school students up until about, um, it's February right now, so I would say January, they were... Arriving because I just think this online component for school was so nice. They found a kid that was really into Minecraft or whatever, right? And really, but I, I actually think, which is super cool to see, they're hitting capacity. So again, we have this assumption maybe that people on the spectrum don't want a ton of in person connection. Mm. Um, but I really am starting to see this fall off of like, okay, I'm done. I liked this. <laughs> so maybe their life should be a hybrid of online and not online. Um, and then, so my adults, I have seen that they're they're dating a little bit more. And I think because, you know, what I love about this is it's a little safer. I, I feel way better setting up a FaceTime date than them meeting in person and have never known this person, right? So I do think they are dating more. I don't know if it's necessarily leading to successful dating because just like with the neurotypical population, there's something to say about meeting someone in a person, right? Like it's just... I hate to use the word vibe, but it is kind of like someone gives you a vibe and you're going to be attracted or not attracted. And that's really hard sometimes to see over a computer.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting because lately, okay, so first I want to acknowledge this wall. I think a lot of people are hitting this yeah, wall. It's, right? only, it's just about a year, right? right? So How are we yeah, so, doing this? <laughs> <laughs> right. And we had phases, right? We had the first phase of, oh, I can, I can hang home and we'll bake right. and we'll do all these things that we came up with um and yes i'll do use online tools um but i think that over time and then we had some holidays so we navigated that right and then the summer the weather was okay so we were able to kind of enjoy that but now it's dead of winter for many of us (laughs) you know and and now the um the tedium of technology i think is setting in but what's interesting is i'm noticing more and more advertisements for like match and people dating online right like and i think that's just one of them and they they're doing a very lovely job of making it seem light and fun and safe just like you're saying um, but but it is like saying oh i get to watch commercials and still see people on computers on
1: on, on television so it's you know one thing i just thought of this that's actually kind of cool cool is I work with a few individuals on the spectrum who were newly diagnosed. Um, and in their head, they were like, meetup is for, you know, whatever they had stories, like weird people or people who just moved or like, I would never use meetup. But now because of the pandemic, they've actually been joining like spectrum support groups or really Mm -hmm. hyper interest groups. And they, and this one girl, she was like, Yeah, I was super judgy. I actually really like these people. They're (laughs) my people. Um, But previous to pandemic, she said she was the girl that you know was just out constantly. That was sort of her her mask. Like she was always out and meeting and doing new things. Um, So that probably would have never happened for her. Um, Mm. And now this community is great. Like she loves it and gives her a lot of satisfaction. So I guess it's a give and take. But yeah, I've been seeing a lot of dating ads. I think they're also like. Everyone's home. It was just Valentine's (laughs) Day. Let's pull on people's heartstrings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's right, right. And there was some really good messaging around... You know Valentine's Day and care of self and yeah. just celebrating friendships yeah. and um, you know other ways of looking at it, which I think is lovely. I think that's definitely gotten better. From I know when I was a teenager, uh, young adult, it, you know, if you didn't have the date and the um, the flowers, it was like you were basically just home, like you know, hanging.
1: <laughs> right, and obviously, like super depressed buyers. That was the image, right? Like it would have been terrible. <laughs>
0: exactly and now there's a lot there's a lot of different variety in that which i think is lovely um and so you know i'm i'm really interested in how you would uh i think many people would be interested in first you know we talk about relationship and i think sometimes a, as a parent uh i think educators this completely maybe falls off the radar other than let's say friendship mm-hmm. right but if we're talking about romantic relationship um you know, I think parents, educators, I think, forget. They're like, well, that's not in our wheelhouse. I mean, and plus we're focusing on so many other things. As a parent, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That that could be coming up, right, once we hit like 11, 12, or if their peers might be talking about it and they're not really – understanding or interested or like, what, this doesn't make sense to me. Um, And then as we move into those, you know, late high school, you know, young adult years, I think a little, sometimes a little anxiety and panic sets in for parents (laughs) and families. Um, And I also think it's, it's probably even more magnified, obviously for our young adults uh, and teens who are in that place because of social expectations and pressures. I think that's changing. Definitely. Um, Um, But what, you know, what can, uh, what are you seeing and how how is some of uh, the work that you do, like in coaching families maybe or coaching young adults and teens about what that process looks like and how that can, how how it can be. And we'll talk about how maybe that looks a little different given the time that we're in now. But um, I'm curious because I know that's stuff that I struggled with as a parent. so. You know, what your thoughts are would be great.
1: Yeah. So, to your point, I do think we're all shifting, like social and emotional is taught in school now. I think, you know, stuff shifting. But the reason I went and got my doctorate in this is I love like quirky social. I love that. So, I was doing a lot of groups. And as soon as a group of maybe young men got me alone, I looked younger, they were like, so. I saw this in porn or I, have you ever um, seen a prostitute? Like just questions that I was like, whoa, no one is talking to you. Um, And I do think that, you know, even as adults, we don't tend to talk about relationships until maybe we're in one and we went to therapy or until sexually we're not connecting and then we go to therapy. And I think, you know, a lot of our um, individuals on the spectrum have unfortunately or fortunately been in therapy forever So then, like in their late twenties, and they're like, "I don't want to go to another therapist. You never talked to me about this. It wasn't (laughs) helpful." Um, So, but I will say, I have a lot of parents who reach out to me at that like nine-year-old like level, like they're realizing that their kid maybe isn't totally entering a group, or they'd prefer to play alone, those type of things. And I do do a lot of education with parents on just the importance of the fact that they are intervening, and also just figuring out who their kid is. And what their kid likes. So not trying to, if your kid's not athletic, don't make them go play baseball. Let them lean into Minecraft, right? If that's really Mm -hmm. giving them joy. And then also using an activity like that for the connection it has. Like, do other kids in the neighborhood play that? Use that. Um, I also talked to them about, you know, I meet a lot of people in their late 20s who not only are they concerned about relationships, they've also developed pretty significant anxiety and depression because this social stuff wasn't really... Touched upon and now they're wearing such a mask and they're so defensive and they're, Mm -hmm. you know, they're angry. They're like, why was I not taught this? And why can't I get a relationship now? Like, obviously something's wrong with me. Right. So there's just a lot of that dialogue. So again, I think it's really important to like talk about relationships the whole time they're growing up and normalizing it like um you know if they have a sibling that's dating have them talk about dating in my sessions um I'm very honest with my clients I met my fiance on Bumble and I talk Mm -hmm. about how online dating was it was a struggle so also helping to demystify that like If you're neurodiverse, it's different than if you're neurotypical dating. It is different, but in general, it's just it's a weird place out there. (laughs) So dating is in general difficult. Um, So I think I hope I answered that. But those are some of the strategies.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's great because well, first that you really raise, and I hadn't thought of it that way, but a lot of our our now young adults and teens and and also adults in their 30s and 40s have been in therapy for a really long time yeah. and 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 maybe have in some ways it's interesting maybe in some ways they have an opportunity to, to talk to their therapist about some of these thoughts or you know just questions like you were getting because they've already created this safe space with someone mm-hmm. um, so there is maybe a little bit more hyper awareness around themselves and around what they might be seeing with their peers that may maybe they're not seeing with themselves and then starting to question what's going on there. Yeah, that totally, that totally makes sense. So, so how does that play out? Right. So you have now this, you know, young person in your, in your office and they're like, Hey, look, Allie, I have to ask you about, you know, some really interesting question. What about porn or what about prostitutes or how does this work? Can you date online? Like how would you, how do you help with kind of um that exploration.
1: Yeah. So one of the things, in addition to being very like therapeutically academic rooted, I've also taken a lot of coaching certifications. So um literally like pickup artist stuff I've looked at, because that is very rule-based. Um, I don't think it's wonderful towards women, but I, I <laughs> like the rules and I obviously change them um and relationship certification. So if I can answer their question, I will. Like if we're talking about porn. I do a lot of breaking down of that's probably not the reality that you would see with a woman. Um, a lot of people I work with also have fetishes. So I talk about how, you know, it would be important to let a person know that. You can't just put that on someone. You also can't expect, you know, perspective. I like this, so you should like this. Maybe not. Right. Um, and if this really is something that matters to you, then that's your, it, you know, it's not going to work. Um, so getting really clear on that. But if I can answer, I, I answer. And if I can't, Again, the actual autistic community is amazing on Instagram. Um and then I also think I think it's called Cripping with Kara. I will look this up because she's um she's an individual with cerebral palsy who's like made um like all these like masturbation videos and also like um supplies. Like she's just she's talking about stuff that people are uncomfortable talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And if I don't know I will send them like I wouldn't say I'm by any means a a sex teacher I don't think I know enough to say that at all so yeah I'll refer as well but also again that normalizing it's not weird you're asking this question I understand like or where did that come from did you see it in a movie trying to get where their thought process is coming from.
0: Yeah. No. And and I get that. And I I uh, you know I appreciate you saying you're not like a sex therapist and sexologist. And I have worked with with people who do specialize in autism, just in that arena. Um, And again, I think that's that this is a nice way to kind of introduce this topic to people, because I think, you know, sexuality in general is right, really, we Mm -hmm. keep that quiet, and we don't talk about at least in our society. Um, And it's, it's something that we need to demystify in general, and especially for our, you know, our folks, because things are already feel a little cryptic to begin with right. so and, and you know to miss social cues and to not really maybe understand all of the um the aspects of a particular interaction and you know um flirting and all those types of things we need to make those things even more explicit which can be really beautiful um being in relationship with someone on spectrum because they do really like transparency and they do really want to share that so to your point about um being very honest about what your interests are what what you like, what your boundaries are, um, and finding that other person who's respectful of that and is willing to either explore with you or honor that or whatever that is. Um, And I think that's why we see a, a lot of diversity in relationships possibly in, Mm -hmm. in our autistic community um, because they're more transparent. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah.
1: So I remember watching Love on the Spectrum and Mm -hmm. I forget the two two characters names, but one of them had, a woman had been with a woman and a man had been with a man. And it was said like, can you pass me the ketchup? Whereas maybe (laughs) that was a neurotypical relationship. There would have been a little like, oh, um, well, how did that, you know, like, (laughs) or like, one guy I think had um, like some speech issues. She was like, oh yeah, I used to not be able to say my ass. Like just so kind. And I think that's why when two people um, either on the spectrum or are neurodiverse get together, they do end up staying together for a while because they kind of do all the uncomfortable stuff that neurotypicals wait two years in. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you didn't realize that I don't have a budget or you know what I mean, like they all this up front. <laughs> And they're super, they don't do this, like, I'm going to fake it till you like me thing, you know? Um, right. Beautiful in a way. I think we could learn from that.
0: It really is. That's a really great point. And for some who might not know, uh, Love on the Spectrum is a Netflix um, series uh, that's that takes place in the UK with, um, you know, showing this. It's it's a very set up kind of um show in that, um, there are people who apply Mm -hmm. for a program to get sort of set up with other people and they set up like the first date or like a a speed dating, I think kind of thing. Right. And then from there, they, if they want to, they kind of find a match and then they go beyond that and maybe have their first date, which is sort of supervised ish. Um, well, because there's cameras everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's really, I I think that that, you know, is a great way to get a a glimpse into what it's like um, for young adults, you know, seeking relationship. And again, that transparency. You're right. I hadn't thought of it that way. They kind of get all that, a lot of the messy stuff out of the way Right. right up front yeah um and so if you if you were talking to a young adult who's looking to get into a relationship right this is where we that's a very set up situation yeah. where they right which would be lovely if we could do that all the time, but i you know it's a really hard kind of thing to design i think um you need a lot of support but so how would you uh how would you start that up so someone comes into you and says I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess I'm lonely. I yeah. need to meet somebody. I, I really just want someone who I can share with. That's not a friend and not a family member. Um, wh- what do I do? How do I do this?
1: <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the things we start with is the pre-work and they are all like, no, I just want the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever. But uh, do- don't we all, um, it doesn't work right, that yeah. way. <laughs> a lot of them come in wanting that so strongly that it's at expense of other things. So it's at expense of maybe holding a job or figuring out budgeting with their parents, however that's going to look right, or basically at fostering independence in more ways. So we do do a lot of educating around there is a real attraction in independence and someone who's really interested in whatever they're interested in. And that's true for everyone, right? It's, it's super attractive when you see someone's creativity come out. And um, so we talk a lot about that. So we try to set it up. Because I also, I learned when I was talking with um, a lot of people on the spectrum that many of them actually went into relationships that didn't work out well. They gave all of themselves and left with even a greater level of depression than I think a neurotypical would because it was such a giving process. Um, So really trying to make sure, again, like setting up those boundaries. We do a lot of... um, Work around them. So, like, what do you like? Most of them, I will say, are pretty good about being like, I like this. I know I like this. Um, some know though. So, really getting into what do you like, um, and then where would you even go to meet someone? Meetup has kind of been pretty successful. Um, some of them are on the dating app Hiki. They've that's been pretty successful. But a lot of them also come into on every dating app there ever is. Um, so, pairing that down because that's depressing. That's like being on social media all day, right? Like it just eats at your brain. You're looking at these pictures. You're feeling bad about yourself because you're getting micro rejected, you know, it's just not a good. So setting that up um, and then also setting up expectations. So there's a lot of black and white thinking around online dating. If I swipe, I should get a date. If I message, this person should answer. And unfortunately that's not the reality, right? Um, so looking at that and then once they figure out what they really care about, also like what type of person do you want to be with? So a lot of, um, I'm talking about guys, I've been getting way more women, but a lot of guys tend to come in thinking about physicality and maybe even like model type girl, right? Cause that's what they might be seeing in porn or on TV Um, And in reality, that girl might be an actress and I don't know, working X amount of months a year, might not be that kind, might not even have ever heard of what autism is. Um, So we also talk about maybe finding someone who is neurodiverse in some way or like a therapist, like someone or a person who's had a sibling on the spectrum, but someone who can relate to you and isn't going to make you have to explain maybe every behavior you're doing because that can also feel exhausting some of the best relationships I've seen is um someone on the spectrum and someone with pretty significant ADD or ADHD because they're Mm -hmm. they're really both okay with like okay you're having a moment totally fine I'm not (laughs) affected by it you know I've
0: seen seen that in friendships too yeah exactly so
1: like Mm -hmm. I think you know just also getting really clear on what works for you um And unfortunately, it is, dating's hard. And I'm not acting like I match everyone and it all (laughs) works out, but at least they get a better idea of themselves. And then also, again, like helping them find community within their own community. Like there's a whole neurodiverse community to be talking with. Um, So some of the people I work with too got a later diagnosis and working through that is really hard because although the media is getting better, Unfortunately, the images of autism still aren't um, the reality of what autism is, right? It's, it's a young kid maybe crying or like an adult that's freaking out over something. Like that's not how it always is. So helping them work through that too. And also being able to talk about their diagnosis in a way that works for them. And when they want to disclose it, if they do, like all of those conversations are stuff we talk about.
0: Yeah, no, I think that all sounds like amazing advice. And I I, I love to see as an educator when you're in uh, the classroom and you see that, right, the kids... They kind of gravitate to each other yeah. because, right? Sometimes they're usually the ones that are a little, you know, kind of on the outskirts, yeah. and maybe there's one that's a little more outgoing and kind of reins <laughs> another <Yeah>. one in. <laughs> um, and so I love to see that. I love how you say the neurodiversity of that. And I, I've often also seen relationships where one might be um, neurodiv, you know. Uh, I would say on spectrum or neurodiverse, right. and then the other is either an educator or has a family member or a therapist. You're right; like I've seen a lot of that kind of configuration, um, and I think it's also because they might just tend to gravitate towards each other. That could just be how Absolutely. that is.
1: I know a lot of speech therapists that are married to engineers. Not that all <laughs> engineers are on the spectrum, <laughs> by any means, but that. Um, sort of that rigidity. They're way more accepting of it, I think, because they just see it in their client. It doesn't affect them in a way it might affect someone else. So you know, just okay. important. I think
0: also having that common language and common understanding, I, right? You know, it's it's really interesting. I know often, and I know you um you took the the training at AANE yeah. with the neurodiverse couples, which I think is great because it's a great program for a therapist um, working with individuals, especially neurodiverse couples. So there's a little plug there for that program. It's wonderful. It really is. It's really awesome. Um, And uh, I think, you know, in in looking through that type of work, it's really nice to be able to um, have that common language. And we've often said, like in our family and at A&E, we would joke that the, the language we use is so normal for us it's normalized right um like you said you need a moment or you know you just need to have some downtime you know whatever our words are um we understand it but when we go out and I th- and again I think this is getting better especially now with our younger you know like our under twenty five kind of crowd but I think um yeah it's to have that common language and common understanding and if we don't have it I, I feel like what you're saying is um, you know, are are when you're looking to meet someone and engage in a relationship, that's that self-awareness is really huge. Um, but then also to be able to voice it and advocate for yourself. I would say advocate's price strong, but it's really just voice it and
1: express it. Well, and without feeling the shame, right? That you, you know, you're weird because you have to go walk around the block for, you know, two minutes. But in reality, like you need to do that because you might actually get really upset and say something you don't want to say. Um, but yeah, and, and totally. with talking with you. I know you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, know that. I use my own strategies. I'm not going to erupt right now. We've been in the house for hours. I'm going to go on a walk. Right. So, um, but I think it would be hard possibly to be with someone if at every step I had to be educating as to why I need this and why this matters. And also, you know, one of the difficulties of being on the spectrum sometimes is like, you aren't able to put words to why you need the thing. You just need a code to know that you have to go do whatever. You can't explain everything all the time.
0: Right. Especially in that moment, if it, right. if things are a little heightened. So I'm going to, I'll flip it around now. What about for those of us who love people who are on spectrum, right? Or who are in, you know, significant relationship with people, what can we do, whether it's family or a, a partner, you know, or whatever, what can we do on the other side um, to create that safe space? Because some, we misstep, right? We can totally misstep. So, so what can we do to, um, to make that easier?
1: Well, I think one thing is, you know, just constantly try to be educated on what autism even is and how it manifests because it's changing constantly, right? There's new materials. And again, I know I keep bringing up the actually autistic community, but even for- I mean, Yeah, I know it's
0: a great resource. It really yeah. is
1: though. Like it's it's changed how I word things. Like one of the people um compared their sensory difficulties to jet lag. And I was like, whoa, okay. I never want anyone to feel like that. That's the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, even, you know, there's some couples I work with that um, the one partner might not believe that sensory is real. So just really like mm. learning- and empathizing and sort of picking a battle. Um, and that's what neurodiverse couples counseling is really good as it's like this person is gonna do this for you, but you have to do this. And it's very rigid and rule-based, this for this. Um, so sort of looking at if there's an area of difficulty where can you both give, and also understanding that um, you know, autism, your neurology is affected, right? So there are some times that the person's not going to be able to give and to know that you love so many other things about them, that it's okay. Like, um, so I have ADD. I leave cabinet doors open. It drives my partner. No, it does. We had to work really hard on, um, well, I can either go on medication, which I don't want to do to fix that, or you can accept this and I will, I now give him like a back scratch in the morning. But like looking at, you know, it is. And also, um, I think for maybe the person, the neurotypical person that's getting frustrated by something, look at, are you hurting yourself more by being this frustrated? If if the person's being honest with you and saying, like, I don't know if I can fix this, but I can add this, um, are you hurting yourself by sitting in that frustration and just deteriorating the relationship?
0: Yeah. And I think also this, this calls into, you know, question like... Um, as as what's important to me as the partner right now and this is true for both sides like what right. is it that's really important to me what are deal breakers right we right. could call them that and, and what are things that I'll have to learn to um, put on pause or find strategies to work around right. uh, and and if, if we can't meet that place like if we can't after working we can't find those places or enlist help from someone right. like a professional like yourself um, if we can't build those Strategies, then, then maybe this isn't this isn't the right thing, and being okay with that, but knowing the reasons. I think the difference in this case would be the learning around right. why something may or may not be working, uh, and this again, this can happen with friendships as well. I think it's. I
1: think yeah, the openness is what you're saying too. Being able to be open and learn, I think that's really important for parents of teenagers, right? Just. If they're not going to talk to you, can they go talk to their therapist? Right. So just allowing that conversation to happen um, and just that open back and forth. And again, give it. T- you could also try to observe and hint at maybe what's happening. Like, okay, so I noticed every time you come home at three, this happens. Can we add in that you're going to go take a walk around the block? Because again, a lot of people on the spectrum are are kind of unaware they're doing a behavior until it's like really explicitly pointed out, like it's so ingrained. So helping them, um, but not in a criticizing way at all, like very observer friendly. Um, and this is, you know, with any behavior, if you're changing something, you've got to replace it with something that fills the same need. So also making sure that you're not just cutting things off on a person and not giving them a replacement.
0: Right, right. And, and also this is where I feel like it's, when I was flipping it around, it's a lot of times our folks feel like they have to do so much work, right? And they're doing all the work to in whatever way we're talking about of uh, that's around their lives, um, and and I I I would strive to want to make it a safe space, and right. I would say, you know, as a parent, um, especially these types of conversations, I, I love that hinting thing because I know that's kind of my had been or has had has because my my kids are young adults now but it's the the dropping of hints or leaving a book out or talking about a particular movie that Mm -hmm. might you know like i might be noticing something um and then i'll say oh did you did you ever see that article or look at this movie that has this you know particular theme in it that maybe (laughs) um you know and and you kind of hope it gets picked up on um sometimes it doesn't but but i think it creates enough. And I truly believe like it plants all those little seeds and, and at some point, right, there becomes a conversation so we can, but I, but you, you hope that you've created that sort of safe space to say, Oh, I think, I think there's some openness here around having this conversation. Um, and you know, I know also, and, uh, talking about our young folks, there's also some, um, exploration around gender and Mm -hmm. exploration about, um, sexuality as well. And it's, it can be really challenging because if it's already a, right, a tough kind of environment, but then is it safe to bring these things to my most trusted people, which hopefully are family or some really close friends, you know? So, so if we can, be more aware as a, as a community of what our young people are facing, can we um, at least allow for that space? And so, um, so yeah, that's, that I think is a huge piece of it.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, just be like, you were saying like, Oh, I saw this Instagram post or I was listening to this <laughs> podcast, but yeah, I mean, just trying to relate in ways that are helpful. Like I, I think I told you, I learned how to play Minecraft. I'm not good at all. But I learned during the pandemic because that's what my kiddos were playing. That's what they wanted to talk about. They did not care that I got a new dog. They wanted <laughs> to talk about Minecraft. So I'm like, okay, if I'm really going to be able to provide therapy in this weird pandemic world, we're going to do it while playing Minecraft. And that actually, oh, here's another thing. So um, Dan from Aspie World, he's a person Spectrum. Yeah. yeah. He Him and he I, I were one talking of my
0: about, first guests. Yeah.
1: Oh, I think he's wonderful.
0: He is great, yeah. Um,
1: Him and I were talking about Minecraft and he was saying one of the reasons that I'm probably getting such a good response while playing and I would have never known this is he was like, a person on the spectrum's brain has thoughts constantly, all the time. We're analyzing, we're doing, you know, constant. But if I'm rooted in Minecraft, I'm thinking about one thing. So I'll actually listen to your thoughts pretty clearly because the Minecraft is calming me. Um, and I actually found I get a lot more conversation with like you know like a 13-year-old while playing mm-hmm. Minecraft. So that could also be helpful for parents too is I think we have this assumption if my kid's in front of the TV or the computer, they're definitely not really paying attention to me, but they might actually be hearing a little bit of what you're saying even better. I mean, not I don't think this is a all the time plan, um, <laughs> but I think that's an option. And then he was also talking about movement he hears so much better Mm. i've actually i'm toying with the idea some of the people i work with are local and like maybe when we get out of pandemic actually doing like walk therapy so going on a walk of some kind and trying to integrate what we're talking about more
0: yeah, I've done some coaching that way through yeah. just walking. Yeah, yeah. Pre, you know, a few years back. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, I think definitely that movements, it's a great yeah. thing. And also what you're talking about, what you and Dan had talked about with using Minecraft as well, first, it's a common interest, mm-hmm. right? And you can build a relationship on that and build some rapport. But also, I think, It's sort of like um, with social stories or other types of reinforcers. If we find that special interest and use that as sort of a, a gateway into being able to connect, um and I think it's it's interesting I don't know I think maybe we did talk about this but are you using Minecraft also as like part of the scenarios um as part of
1: teach teachable moments in there as well Yes, for sure so what I'm doing now is either a dyad or three kids that like I've worked with in some capacity and now they're kind of past like individual they're ready for a group and we'll all play Minecraft together and yeah like we're getting to a certain place together so we all need to work together or like You know, this person needs this supply. How are we going to get this for them? Right. Um, So great executive functioning, but also communication. And also I come in and normally I actually don't know what's going on or I'll play a little (laughs) bit more dumb and (laughs) have to explain it right in a way that's not insulting, not like, how could you not know this? But also in a way that takes perspective of, oh, if Allie is only at this level, she's got no idea what I'm talking about. If I start talking about like Flint, which is this thing you need to get further right like they have to think like oh Allie doesn't know that so I need to talk to her differently than I would to someone who's on level whatever um and it's been pretty successful
0: that's brilliant yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah, what a great idea. Um, Yeah, uh, my uh, Minecraft has not been something in my uh, family, although uh, World of Warcraft is. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just, you know, it just depends on picking your uh, your thing. Um, But yeah, I I think that's that's a really great tool. And I think. You also bring up something else that as parents, families, educators, right, if we find that thing that we can connect with, um, I've often I had often said that with like my parents, you know, with the grandparents, mm-hmm. it's it's like find that one thing and have that conversation and, and kind of, and that's true, I think, to gateway for all young people. Yeah. But like if we can find that one thing, we know that, you know, oh, if, like my my daughter's like, oh, I want to learn more about this plant or I have to sow something. I know I can ask grandma about that now because that was like how they built relationship, right? And build connection. Um, you know, or if it's about camping or something, then, oh, I'm going to ask grandpa about that. So we can, or a particular time period. Oh, I want to know what it was like living in, in the Bronx during the depression. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, what was that like? Um, so it's a really, if you can, pick out those things to connect with, it's super valuable. And I think this, again, um, you know, I spoke with Tony Atwood around special interests mm-hmm. and how it it's its own thing. And I think at, at some point we had thought of that as a, uh, yes, they're super important, they're soothing uh, activities, but how much more impact they could have and how much more, um, you know, useful it can be in in the broader sense I used
1: to see it as like that's the person on the spectrum's thing like we know they have them right but yeah we weren't integrating it really I think I mean for a long time and it's still moving but therapy used to come in with like here's the therapist plan of how we're going to work on these things but it wasn't always totally related to right what the kid even cared about I mean I remember 10 years ago trying to play like cars and a ramp and this kid could have cared less about that <laughs> they wanted blocks and they wanted to now I know like about sensory and stuff but they needed to like be stomping and moving and into like I didn't know any of that 10 years ago so I was like oh you should want to play with cars and a ramp and that's not how <laughs> it- no, I was taught. yeah like, this is what you need to do you're three but like that wasn't what they wanted at all so also you know just I I think everyone's heard it but like Follow the child's lead, see what they actually care about, and don't try to place whatever you feel they should be wanting to do on them. I think in reason you want to develop play skills, but if you can infuse it into what they're actually into.
0: Yeah, I, that last statement you made is like really impactful because I think that is true from very young all the way through, you know, the whole lifespan in that follow, follow your kids lead, like follow what their interests are, follow, listen to what they're telling you. If we, if, if it's not with words, then it's with action, Mm -hmm. right. And with emotion, like what are we seeing or, or sometimes it's, uh, offering a variety of options and then seeing where, you know, especially if you're talking about younger kids, um, what do they gravitate to? What have you noticed them? Right. Playing with, and I think, I think we are. I think you're right. I think we're moving, but we're still moving, right? We're We're still, yeah. yeah, We we still have very definite ideas of, and also I think it's also location specific and what your culture is and background. Um, You know, we have very specific ideas of what our kids are supposed to do, and definitely put that in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um,
1: and, And we're trying to right change that paradigm. I think. Well, and I think to that point, um, I talk to families a lot about this too. And this is also like empowering your child and your adult. Some therapists they might not click with, and it doesn't make the therapist a bad person. And this is all like an ABA therapist, speech therapist, whatever, some individual. It doesn't make them bad, but you're allowed to notice that. Like when I first work with families, um, the first session I do is always complimentary. And it's just like a Zoom and we're talking because... If I don't feel like this person has any connection with me or something about me just bothers them, right, it's not going to work. And I'd rather refer them like maybe they need a man or Mm -hmm. maybe they want someone older, younger, whatever. But I'd rather refer them than try to do this awkward dance for months and then not get anywhere. So I think also respect your kids. I know sometimes, like, I walk in and, uh, like, a two-year-old's like, oh, God, I don't want to do speech. And I don't think that's me. But if over time, this kid is like, oh, God, Allie's coming every time, listen to that, you know? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. I, that's true. We've had that conversation around mental health. Um, yeah. you know therapy um but it's definitely true for all all types of therapy if if connection is an important piece, right. and if you're not feeling that again it's that vibe, and sometimes you do can get a good vibe still yeah. on zoom and um you know but but if you're not getting it, it's okay to, to move beyond that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it gets a little tricky if you're getting some services at school. I know. Yeah. You know,
1: know, as a therapist, I've been doing this for a while. So now I'm like, yeah, oh my gosh, I just want people that feel connected. When you're (laughs) first starting, that's hard too. It's also hard, like we were saying to shift. Um, You know, I've been reading a lot of the actual autistics um, feelings around some social goals. And initially I was like, Oh God, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing so many things wrong. But then if you take a second, you look, you're like, oh, I can just shift slightly and then be impactful. So I think, you know, as therapists, we have to check our egos a little bit.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and also some of it is programming. I'm going to yeah. say because you you come out of your your training or school or yeah. whatever way very you've learned. Medical model, it's right. There's these very specific models, and and once you go in there, you realize, wow, okay, I have a, I really just have a framework. I don't. <laughs> and following this, you know, to the letter is is 90% of the time not going to work. No. So I have to take what I've learned and now apply it to real life. Um, and I think all all of the conversation we've had here is about really like, okay, which pieces work for me? How do I apply it? Um, and, you know, again, building that self-awareness, but really being transparent and explained from all all sides, I right. think. Right. Yeah, so so this has been a really great conversation. And I know we could probably pull any one of these threads and probably have a lot more dialogue, and maybe we will think about doing that. Yeah, um, so I think that could be fun. But if people want to know, uh, find you, where can they
1: find you? Yeah, so my website is Allie Arena Communications. I won't spell it. I'll just put it. <laughs> you can put it. In I'll, with, I'll put it. I'll put yeah. it in the description. Um, yes. And then my Instagram is connecting with Allie. But yeah, anyone can email me. I Groups going, individual sessions. Um, yeah. So I would love to hear from people or if they just have questions. Great.
0: Yeah. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And uh, again, I look forward to chatting again in the future. Yeah. Me too. Very good. Take care. Me too. Thanks for listening to Autism in Real Life. This is Elia Walsh, and if you like the show, please hit subscribe so you can get notified each time a new episode is released. I also offer training, consultations, and parent coaching, and would love to help you in any way that I can. You can check out my offerings at thespectrumstrategy.com, and when you join my email list, you can get a code to receive a discount off of an online class or a coaching session. Looking forward to hearing from you. Take care and see you next time.